Hey, this is Jeff Reynolds from Compass Seattle, and you are on the Real Talk Podcast. And we're back with another episode of the Real Talk Podcast. Today, I am pleased to have our industry colleague, Mr. Jeff Reynolds. Jeff Reynolds is a luxury condo expert in Seattle and the East Side markets with a passion for urban living and a deep understanding of the real estate landscape of that Seattle market. Jeff is also an editor and founder of UrbanCondospaces.com, a blog dedicated to the Seattle and Bellevue markets. And having leveraged over almost 20 years of experience, he's established himself as a trusted real estate advisor, land acquisition consultant, and a real estate broker. Please follow Jeff on Twitter at Seattle underscore condos and on Instagram at Urban Condo Spaces. I will put all those in the show notes for you. Jeff, thank you. Welcome. What an intro. Yeah. No, appreciate your time, really. Uh, Thanks for having me. It's it's really a pleasure to have somebody on Seattle on our podcast for the first time. I love Seattle. I hate the Seahawks. I used to like the Supersonics back in the day. But um, I got to say, the the Seattle market itself as a city, to me, has the best blend of city living and nature. Right. Yeah. So that's like kind of my ideal lifestyle. Sure. Uh, so, sure. you know, I want to get the listeners to get to know you real quick. So, you know, please follow some of these phrases in one word. Okay. okay? So first yeah. thing that comes up. And if you want to use two or three words, we'll hold it against you. All right. First word is Seattle rent control. Sticky. Okay. Pike Place Market. Iconic. Bellevue. Beautiful. Real estate property insurance. Expensive. Real estate reality television. Coming soon. TikTok and Instagram. You need them. Okay. Love them. The current pending litigation with the NAR commissions uh, lawsuit. Complicated. Starbucks. Worldwide. Okay. Uh, this is my favorite. Uh, my favorite social media platform. Your thoughts on Twitter? Love it. Mine. It, it's probably my favorite as well. Yeah, great. We'll talk a little bit about that. Seattle's loading walls. Complicated. Affordable housing. In progress. Needed. Multifamily housing. Not enough. Condominiums. Coming soon. Condo HOA, aka condo boards. Challenging. Cryptocurrency? Bitcoin. House Boat Living. Seattle. Seattle. That's that's iconic Seattle. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you. That concludes our list. Let's go back to a couple of the interesting, to me, the interesting. First of all, Twitter landscape has changed a little bit, right? So what do you think has changed? One of the biggest changes you've seen between X or Twitter and X and Seattle to COVID? That one's easy, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Like, to me, the center of the universe now is in on Twitter and creating this town hall as Elon. I mean, I'm a huge, huge, huge Elon fan. It's the heartbeat of the earth, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, and, and I'm not necessarily a fanboy, you know, and, and it's okay if people are. Mm-hmm. I love them, though. And, um, and I think it took a lot of moxie to, to take down that type of valuation and create what he wants to create. But without any political alignment... I think it's beneficial because it allows us to, to take this aggregated news and, and source it in one spot. Mm-hmm. So I love it. The go-to source for news. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Your real estate reality television, you said coming soon. What does yeah. that mean? Well, Seattle, so Seattle kind of always has this thing that we, we often refer to it as like we're, we're just south of Alaska, which is silly, but it's like... <laughs> You're not really. No, no. <laughs> to, but to the national media, to the sports world... To real estate, TV, whatever. We're, we're kind of like, we're the left coast. We're the upper left coast. And, and so we're, you know, pretty far away from L.A. Yeah. Uh, Orange County. And so to, I think we get overlooked, often overlooked, you know. Um, but I think that's changing. And I spoke to, as did many others, you know, Bravo a couple of years ago. I think they're eventually going to get here. But yeah. we'll see what it looks like. And to be honest, Seattle's kind of funny. It's not... It's not like a $50 million mansion down here in Del Mar, right? Or in LA. So it's probably not fit for TV outside of like the visual. You know how beautiful it is. So we'll see. We'll see if it comes or not. I, I, have the producers seen the homes in Seattle though? Yeah, I mean, I mean they, the houses are insane. Incredible. I yeah. mean, the we're talking the waterfront homes between the sounds and yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the channels and the rivers. I mean, it's the, it's stunning. Probably the most stunning, one of the more stunning homes that you could find. Yeah. Outside of. Um, Outside of, I think, areas of New York and Connecticut, we have one zip code in particular, uh, pretty close to where Bill Gates lives and others, mm-hmm. Steve Ballmer, which is like one of the most expensive zip, zip codes in the country. 
And the waterfront is like, it's exceptional. Stunning. Yeah. Like jaw dropping. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you get the boathouses, which are modest and nice. For sure. But yeah. the waterfront yeah. no, is there's, stunning. There's, um, there's no lack of opulence on uh, on the water. It yeah. just it just depends on, on which side of the pond you're on and how much you want to spend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what what are the challenges that you see on condo boards? You're, you do a yeah. lot of condos. You're the condo guy there. Yeah, you know, it's always funny because depending on who you ask, if you haven't lived in a condo, you would never know. But once you've lived in one, I'm sure you have mm-hmm. over the years, yep. you uh, you realize that <laughs> some of the things that come up are like, you know, how you wind your hose up and, and set it on the, the outdoor deck. Sure. And and making sure that, that you're being courteous about how you recycle and, yeah. and how you pack your boxes. Yeah. And so, no, condo living is um, inherently complicated. And there's, you know, folks in, in condo buildings that have been there for years and that's their cup of tea yeah you know being on the board yeah. so they're complicated we don't have co-ops uh quite the same like you guys do on the east coast so the majority of it is true you know condo boards you know professionally managed but they're still just it is complicated just mm-hmm. in a different way yeah uh i think the it's one of the most thank, thankless jobs yeah and also maybe the most to me it's people that want to be on the board because they either care about the building which is great right or they just want the power because they get beat up at work or, yeah. or whatever. It's or volunteer work, yeah. right, at the end or of the day. They're retired, and it's like a way for them to stay engaged. That's right. You know? Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, another way to do it. Another way to look at it, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, no, I Maybe think, too engaged sometimes. Yeah. Overly sure. engaged. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. not for everybody. I always tell people condo living is not It's for not for everyone. Yep, I get it. And yeah. If you want to be, you know, hidden in the in the woods by yourself with your guns, yeah, right. by all right. means. So be it. Enjoy it. Yeah. So be it. Um, affordable housing is a challenge. What's going on there? Yeah. So, okay. You and I probably follow some of the same folks on Twitter. Um, there's some developers. You want to shout out a couple of your favorites? Yeah. I mean, like, well, there's there's guys in multifamily that, mm-hmm. that like on Retweet, that, yep. that I just, you That's know, right. have much more experience than me. Sure, sure. You know, like, um, so yeah. And I don't, you know, some of them I'm sure would enjoy the plug, but like Sean Sweeney is a good example. Sweeney, like, sure. You know, he's, he's thoughtful. I think about walkable urbanism. That's mm-hmm. something that I subscribe to. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Um, but, but, but I feel that there's a, a large swath of us that feel a large group of us really, um, you have to build your way out of it. And I really believe that. I don't think that affordability can come, uh, easily. You, you have to build, you have to, who's going to build. Yeah. I mean, in Seattle, we have an opportunity. Um, you have to find public-private partnership. You, I think the city should look at doing some tax abatements to try to incentivize a little bit more affordable housing. But I, I really don't think that the, the solution is that simple. Yeah. The easiest way to get there is you have to create more density. And, 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 and I really believe that. And some people would argue um, that that just benefits the developers. And that the more you build, the more that you're going to be able to stabilize pricing and then raise pricing. But I don't, I don't feel that way. Density as in, we're, like, we're talking about the high rises that you see in like Shanghai. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And or like, you know, let's, you know, you could even take, you could even take a step out and go like a, like Seattle has a lot of suburbs. You go across to Bellevue, Kirkland, Redmond, Issaquah, whatever. There's so you much land. To, yeah, you, you just need to build more walkable urban development that has, um, good retail and you know it's thoughtfully positioned around freeways mm-hmm. and then you have to allocate some of that to affordable housing what are the challenges of tax abatements why do you think the government is not giving out tax abatements to whether private developers or public partnerships yeah i mean it's you question. know it effectively re- takes away some income tax you know some property tax mm-hmm. um specifically and and i think maybe they don't believe that they need to but at one point you have to get creative Sure. You know, in order to, to, to build our way out of it. And I, I don't think I'm the only person that's that's using that megaphone. You sure. know, I think um, in order to, to really to get to where we need to go, we got to build. Yeah. Do you think there's a movement politically of just the left becoming too powerful and they're maybe targeting the landlords too much and focusing the attention on developers and landlords being bad guys? And that's affecting or slowing down the development process. Then that's what we see them happen, by yeah. the way. Yeah. I mean, the well, and the, you know, the, the, the dirty word that we haven't addressed yet is rent control in Seattle. You mm-hmm. know, it's in Portland. It's in other areas of the it's, country. It's rampant in New York City. Right, yeah. right. You know, I just, yeah, I think I think politically you have to have the will and, this, and the desire 
if you really want to help people get into affordable housing, you have to look at a way of developing and building. And it, it, to your point, um, there's a lot of people that aren't pro-development. Yeah, no, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Switch gears, houseboat living. I mean, yeah, I, I've been on ferry cruises and all around yeah. Seattle and stuff, yeah. and you see a lot of these houseboat. What? How does that work? You do own the boat, but rent the water. Yeah. Or? So there's two different ways of ownership. You mm-hmm. kind of, some of them will have like, you know, you, you effectively rent the slip, okay, okay, to which the houseboat exists. So who owns the slip? So, um, like one like one co-ops. It's like a co-op. Oh, okay. So okay. think of it as like a co-op on the water. Mm-hmm. And then the other, Whoa, yeah, cool. yeah. So <laughs> the other way, the other way, which is it kind of brings in its own different element of communal living. The waterfront houseboat community, okay, is unique, and um, some of the most unique people I think that live in Seattle live on these. <laughs> and now, they're grand. I mean, some are like you know they'll sell six, six, seven million bucks. Yeah. And then some of them, you know, are, are quite a bit less. They look like trailer parks yeah. on water, yeah. Yeah, but I think the I think um, the dilemma is kind of where do you fit into that category? How do you finance it? And then the other huge concern with houseboats is insurance. Insurance. insurance Who's going to insure that? There's there's literally like two people Who wants that insurance? do it. Yeah. yeah, and and to finance it, it's a bit of the same. There's only two or three folks in town that'll do them. Uh, the other way that you own it is it's kind of like a land lease, you know, like a 99 year land lease mm. kind of thing. Okay. And one in one family or person owns. Yeah, the, it's like again, it's slip. it's yeah, it's it's. <laughs> I have a competitor of mine. He's a really good guy, and one of the reasons why I don't sell a lot of them is they're complicated. And to be honest, I've I've been in boats and around boats my entire life. You know, um, it, we're kind of defying like gravity and physics. <laughs> it just doesn't make like to me. It doesn't make a lot of sense to have something that's literally floating. Okay, so you wouldn't personally live in a houseboat. Not for me. <laughs> Not for me. I do think it's cool. Yeah. You know, and it's very, you know, at one point in your life, if you can rent one, it's fun, it's sexy, it. it's cool, cool, it's romantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you get, you know, there's a history of, of Seattle houseboats, but it's not for me. What's the definition of a houseboat was as far as it is the sewage separate? Is the water separate? Is the source of plumbing and, and waste? Is that how yeah, that works? Yeah, so work there, it, think of it, um, it, it has a lot of the same components, mm-hmm. okay? Sewage lines and things that, that vacate some of those things. They're actually a little bit more sophisticated in their design than some people imagine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these are built with like these very, very heavy, uh, effectively concrete foundations that not just help that houseboat sit and stay stable, but it, it disallows this kind of movement of oh, being on the water. Yeah. And so a lot of those components, whether it be electrical, sewage, whatever, comes out of the construction of these of these new builds. And any time one that doesn't isn't up to the, the code or the standard that the city requires, then of course they have to if they're ever yeah. redeveloped or yeah. moved or whatever. And these can be moved. This is wild. This wow. Are, yeah, you can move them around. Imagine just moving a bunch of homes yeah. around at once on the water. Yeah, it's pretty wild. That's it's wild. wild. So, but, but I think it, long, the long and short of it is it's very cool. Yeah. And if you've never been to Seattle, a little tour through Lake Union and what we call Porter's Bay, it's like, it's pretty exceptional. It's a cool way to see a yeah. different way of living. I've been there. Yeah, I got to pull up yeah. some old videos with the B-roll on this. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool. All right, so a little bit about yourself. Just tell us where you're from, uh, where you yeah. currently live, what brought you to where you are professionally sure. today. Grew up in Gig Harbor, which is south of Seattle. Mm-hmm. So if you grew up in the Seattle area, you kind of get used to, uh, it's a maritime community kind of. So we have all these really amazing places to live where you're near the water if you're not on the water. I was very fortunate to grow up on a piece of land that was purchased in my family back in the 40s. So it's still in our family. It's kind of like our, it's like a generational asset for us. uh, Great-grandfather or grandfather? Yeah, Yeah. my grandfather bought it. Yeah, so uh, he built a house. My dad built a house. My uncle built a house. And then my, it it also has the old homestead house where my dad grew up, which is pretty cool. So we still have that in the family. It's amazing. When you do that growing up, you learn how to, Water ski, wakeboard, fish, all the stuff. All of it. You know, yeah. yeah. What a dream. Board. Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. Which is fun. Yeah. So living in Gig Harbor then took me to the University of Washington. Um, and then that, at one point, is where I met my wife. And then I traveled. I lived in Spain for six months and kind of traveled the uh, world. Cool. Came back and got right into real estate. I, I originally worked for a um, freestanding retail developer. So this is kind of, in, I wouldn't say it's interesting. It's different. He, uh, this group built Walgreens, drugstores, uh, Bank of America banks, like Starbucks drive-throughs, mm-hmm. like basically freestanding retail. So within a strip mall, but not the entire strip mall. Correct. Yeah. Like, like Walgreens always went on what we called like 
it was kind of funny, the corner of No and Brainerd, right? Like that perfect street with high traffic counts. I like that corner of No yeah. and Brainerd. Yeah. 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 It was like the best real estate literally in, in, you know, in that particular town. And so I covered Washington, Oregon, Idaho, and that's kind of how I got used to contract work. So we used to, uh, we'd have to put together an assemblage of properties. So if you imagine there's like six, eight owners on one corner, we'd ha I'd have to put those deals together. And that's how I got into real estate. Eventually transitioned into the condo world, multifamily world, a bit of luxury yep. with a friend of mine uh, who's in Compass down here in San Diego now. And uh, yeah, the rest was history. So uh, real estate for me has always been a passion project. So how many years total have you been in the business? Uh, since 2005. Oh, so you, okay. So you, well, since 2003. But residentially, residential real estate since 2000. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's been in the so game. I'm old. You've I'm seen old. the. So you see the gray hair. It's you like, see. Oh, yeah. You're so you're still pretty good. <laughs> Favorite city or state outside of Seattle? And let's gun to your head. Where if you were yeah, to move? Yeah. All right. All right. So my wife would say New York. New York as in New York State. Yeah. Uh, not Manhattan. West Village. Twelve. Oh, yeah, West. Um, West Twelve and Fourth. Yeah. There you go. West Twelve yeah. and Fourth. Okay. Yeah, she loves. She loves Manhattan. Um, I Very would specific. say. Yeah. Yeah. She lived there for a while. She loves it. I think we'd go back in a second. Um, I, for me, it might be like if I was, got to the point where I could retire, it'd be like Montana. Oh, where? Um, like maybe Bozeman. Okay. You know, a little small city. Yeah, but yeah. Still, there's, there's, there's the, the Great Plains. Yeah, where you can, you can fly fish, you can golf. Um, I'm kind of dating myself. That's not going to be for a while. Mm. So like, we like where we're at. I like, okay. I like Seattle. Okay. But two really good options, right? Think yeah. about the spectrum of Bozeman, Montana to West 12th and 4th. That's right. West Village, know, Manhattan. Know, okay. yeah. Who's going to win? She <laughs> yeah. probably will. Yeah. In your eyes, who is the GOAT of real estate in the Seattle market? Now, the GOAT doesn't have to be a broker, right? It can be yeah. someone, your mentor. It could be a friend. It could be a developer. It could be someone that, ins that inspires you in that business. Yeah. So I would say, so that was, that was a good one. There's two, there, the Seattle side would say this guy named Martin Selig, but my version of that might be this guy named Kemper Freeman in Bellevue. Kemper mm -hmm. Freeman kind of took, um, trying to think of how it would, it, it would kind of be relatable like as to how Brooklyn developed from Manhattan and like how fast it grew and how much it became kind of a popular yeah, place. Yeah, Bellevue's such, Bellevue's sounds ex brand new. Exploded. Yeah. And, and this guy had his handprint on a big portion of the development there, the retail, the office, mm -hmm. the multifamily. So, you know, um, not everyone's a fan of people that that take big, big areas of the world and develops them. But sure. to me, it was inspiring, if nothing else. Yeah, it's a pretty big endeavor. It's yeah. much newer than Brooklyn. I know you talked about the For expansion sure. into Brooklyn. And yes, there's a lot of high rises in there in Long Island City. But Bellevue, you walk and you feel you almost eat up the floors. It's so clean and it's new. Amazing. And it's kind of like, it seems like this get done overnight. It's amazing. It's a pretty interesting and, yeah, an amazing area. Yeah. Uh, okay. Almost great. like yeah. Marin County to the Bay. Mm -hmm. You know, it kind of has been like a really popular place for people to live. Tons of uh, luxury retailers that want to be there. Yeah. Um, we're on the, you know, we're on the West Coast. It's a lot of Asia. So a lot of our investment development, just like Vancouver, BC and, and, and the Bay Area, we get a lot of like... Uh, international buying mm -hmm. so and Bellevue's quite popular for that oh that makes sense as a representative of Seattle please give yeah. me your current favorite restaurant or establishment your go-to and then the second question would be your everyone's got that old school staple like yeah. you gotta hit this but you know you get so like the new one the old right yeah so, so, what, do, so okay. what do you like so plug it in the show notes for the, for yeah, the listeners yeah. okay so this I mean the, the the one that you'll hear exclusively forever of like the one but you have to go to Canlis Canlis is like one of the best dining How do you spell that? C-A-N? C-A-N-L-I-S. Uh-huh. Okay. It's literally one of the best dining experiences in the world. Oh. It's incredible. Um, is this, we're talking like Mission Star, five, like five course yeah, dishes? Yeah, this so what's the book? Gosh, I wish I could think of it right now. But mm -hmm. there's a guy that ran that amazing restaurant, I think on 11th in New York. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Mm -hmm. um, his name's Will. Anyway, he, he, uh, I think he just wrote Unreasonable Hospitality, I think it's called. It's like mm -hmm. a yellow cover. It's an amazing book. He knew Brian Canlis, which was one of the sons that ran the Canlis restaurant. But this is like a must-do okay. in Seattle. Okay. So that is like the the staple. Must-do, um, listeners. Must-do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, it's not um, it's not the easiest reservation, but it's worth it's worth the okay. And then I would say like... Uh, UW has like uh, University of Washington has a cool campus culture, which is right outside of, of downtown. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, and there's a restaurant that 
was ours, our favorite called Cafe Lago. Okay. Um, pretty underspoken, wood-fired Neapolitan pizza, amazing pasta. She's run the restaurant for four years. So that's kind of one of my gems in the city. Are you sold? I probably shouldn't be selling. I probably shouldn't tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> now it's blowing up. There's a lot. There's the one thing that's cool about Seattle, tons of, of different types of restaurants, international flavor to whatever your heart desires. It's, it's good. I think it could have better Mediterranean food, but outside of that, it's pretty good. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, there's a lot of good Asian seafood yeah, inspirations. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about those Mount Rainier cherries? I mean, come on. Game changer, yeah, right? For sure. My God, go. get out of here. It's the best. So you like the Rainier cherries? Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, they're yeah. just the they're way nice. they pop. And they're incredible. Sweet. They're yeah. Incredible. They're so incredible. I mean, they're sold throughout the U.S. For sure. Yeah. And you guys, you guys are yeah. at the footbed of Rainier. Apples as well. Unbelievable apples. Unbelievable apples. We're famous. Yeah. And obviously, you know, you can't, can't go wrong with the snow crabs. You, you forgot to mention the yeah, snow crabs yeah, yeah. out there. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. So, here, so here's the thing. This is this is the one thing about Seattle that you have to next time you're there. I would know that you're not from Seattle because you brought up snow crab. Now snow crab's incredible. Oh, okay. Pike Place Dungeness crab. That's right. Dungeness crab yeah. is the local standard. Um, there. Okay, so I don't know if you guys remember this, but the New York Times wrote a piece on it's called the San Juan Islands. The San Juan Islands is like, uh, let's see. 40 minute plane ride it's, out it's of west. Seattle. Yep. Yeah. And it's it's um, this set of islands that that uh, it, unreal. Some, some of the coolest scenery you're gonna see in Washington, period. And when um, you go up there with a friend or on a boat or you take a plane up or whatever, part of the culture and being in that part of the world is you go crabbing like during the day, you go, you know, you put crab pots down, you go get crab, you're eating fresh crab on the back of the boat. If that's something that you're into, which um, so into I it. I certainly am. It's it's incredible. Yeah. So into it's it. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And it's definitely a part of like Northwest culture. As much as lobster or, you know, that kind of thing is is part of the East, you yeah. know, parts yeah. of the East anyway. Santa Juana's is actually, it's really cool. They, don't they have those boats you, know, you can drive your car into? But they're, yeah. these ferries are Fairies. humongous, yeah. right? They, they could fit like 100 cars. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. You have, um, I think we have... At any given time, we have 28 or 29 running in yeah. different locations. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's a big part of how we uh, commute. Yep. So when other uh, so amazing and yeah, to take a ferry to the San Juan Islands, you'll see killer killer mm -hmm. whales, orcas. Mm -hmm. You'll see wildlife that you can imagine, yep. and the scenery is incredible. Yeah, yeah. Those boats are cool. But you can yeah. drink beers on them. And yeah. Eat, eat, eat like and some I mean, trashy food, point, but it's point, fine. You literally, I think you you're you're putting on something in the neighborhood of 160. More cars, yeah, which is like it's so fun. awesome, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, you can tell my passion for shout out to there. the Washington State Ferry System, shout, shout out, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and and uh, you know, sometimes you wait a long time, but mm -hmm. it's it's uh, it's mm -hmm. definitely awesome, but yeah, Santa Wines, I've been there myself, beautiful. But let's just say your your future real estate endeavors take you to other markets in yeah. like outside of Seattle. Like, are you able, do you like to sell, or will you sell in that San Juan Islands, or uh, let's just say Tacoma, or yeah. Or do you, are you mostly like focused in, um, you know, just in Seattle? Well, I think that goes back to because it's hard, right? There's yeah. so many islands yeah. in, in that area. Yeah, for sure. I think it. Um, when you talk about the luxury market, yeah, that can kind of take you anywhere. Mm. So if you get out of multifamily and you talk about helping someone buy something desirable on the water, it can take you everywhere: Fashion Island, Bainbridge Island, San Juan Islands, okay, South so you'll Sound, go. North Sound. Yeah, and you kind of have to. In the Seattle market, if you really, really want to be um, recognized as kind of serving that luxury market, you have to become an expert on second home communities, you know, like these destination communities. Sure. It's much sure. like how New York has, you know. The um, Hamptons. Or the Hamptons. Yeah, sure. it's very, very similar. Yeah. The South Sound, the North Sound, and then all those islands. So, yeah, yeah, it will. I, for, for me, when I'm condominium focused... I often think that, that we're good at something for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. So the longer we stay super hyper-focused in our skill set, you know, like, I'll give you an example. If you, if you told me a building, you, you walk by a building downtown and you told me the address, I'll tell you who built it, who the architect was, yep. how many okay. units there are, what floor plans you want. To me, that's like a level of service that you can't replace. No. So that's, what I, that's what I, how I want to be viewed that that's an area of focus and I'm doing the rest of the stuff on the periphery 
when time takes me. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Good. Sense? Yep. No, got to got to be an expert in your local neighborhood as yeah. well. Good. Yeah. So I want to get into some deep dive questions. You're big on social media. You do a lot on Twitter. I'm sure you see some of the posts that I see. Uh, the gen, it's an interesting phenomenon, and. Yeah. and we were all probably struggling broke in our early, early 20s, mm-hmm. in mid-20s. I, I, I was, at least. I was sleeping on the couch. And there are the Gen Zers that are posting on Twitter or TikTok about X or TikTok about mm-hmm. how things are expensive. Mm-hmm. I can't rent. I can't buy a house. My parents had it easy. The, the job market sucks. Inflation is killing me. Interest rates are at all-time highs. Uh, they're whining about everything that's happening right now, including inflation. And, and you know, I get it. Inflation yeah. stuff, it, it affects all of us. Right. How much validity do you, think, do you think there is to that? Or are they just like on their phone too much and just complaining? I feel like you're trying to get me in trouble here. No, no, just, no, 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 please. No, I mean, no, no. You I have mean, a child yourself. I'm yeah. sure, you know, they're no, going to go through No, I mean, I think there's, there's like a combination, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's not necessarily fair. Uh, I wouldn't say fair. It's It's not fun. For someone that's right out of school, you know, most of these engineering jobs are changing or may have been lost to chat GBT uh, and yeah. everything else, right? That was the job to have for the last decade, right? You know, the computer science and engineering degrees, especially like out of UW, they're Microsoft, Google, Meta, everyone would literally sit at these college campuses and wait for the students to come out of class. Is that right? To sign them up for a gig. Yeah, and engineers were getting, you know, so like there's sympathy in that regard that there's like a kind of a lost generation of jobs, right? But I still kind of believe in the hustle too, right? You know, like I I, I have stories that that, um, would bore everyone to death, but like stories of like where you 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 literally got to the darkest place in your entire life, had nothing um, to show for it. I had I was juggling four or five different properties, literally on the verge of bankruptcy, and dug my way out. And I didn't, you know, I didn't have someone that was handholding me then. I had to like find it, grind it out, you know, dig, dig hard, and outwork everybody. And so. No one told me that I should stay at the office until 11 o'clock at night, but I did, Good. you know, because that's kind of how, so there's sympathy. And then at the same time, it's like, come on, you can do it. You know, if other people can go and get a place and find the right job and, you know, find affordability, you can find affordability. You might not be able to have like a Starbucks downstairs, you know, but like go move out of the city and take, you know, take, take an Uber, take the, tr- take the train into work or whatever. I mean, mm. I, you know. Everyone wants to, I'm sure in, in your guys' part of the world, a lot of people that is, want to live in the best neighborhoods in Manhattan, but sometimes you can't, you know, or in Brooklyn. Some, you can't afford it, you go out until you can't. So, yeah, hopefully that answers. Good answer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up now, ready to run through a brick wall. Aren't you, Gail? <laughs> yeah. a motivational speaker over here. No, I don't know. Yeah, so, we talked about this earlier. The typical, let's talk about not affordable housing, but yeah. like maybe the friends that you went to high school with, right? Yeah. Just the normal middle-class workers. Yeah. Maybe they own a small business. Maybe they're, they work at Ernst & Young. Sure. Maybe they're just a you know, mid-level manager at Microsoft. Yeah. Are they able to buy a home right now? And is there that type of affordability crisis that you're seeing? Meaning they did all the right things in life. College, yeah. decent job, salary, stable income, maybe, a fam- maybe already a kid or two but they still can't get into the housing ownership game. Do you see that to be a common trend in Seattle or no? Well, there was an article that just came out where they said that I think you had to make $115,000 combined. 115? Yeah. 115,000. Yeah, between 107, 150, I don't remember. Okay, so in the lowest six figures. And I mean, that's a lot of money for sure, but but is it? I don't know. I mean, when we, when we, when I was in school, everyone was dying to try to make a hundred thousand dollars, and that's that's, and it's not about money. It's not. It's not about the, it, the the psych number that makes it noble, and then you get to go and conquer the world. But I think, uh, if you can't afford where you are, and we see this in Seattle all the time, you kind of have to go north, south, east, and and west, just like anywhere else. So you can find housing. Just sure, have to go sure. out. I mean, like, look, it, it's Tacoma. It's, hundred yeah. percent. And like, you know, it, it, it does hurt the working class. Um, you know, some of the people that, that, that are the lifeblood of, of downtown, right. That, that are working in restaurants that are working at hotels that they're doing things that, that are very noble, that 
that the world needs and that our city needs. It hurts them because they sit in more traffic to get to where they're going. But those opportunities are still there. And you're kind of middle road Microsoft manager, you know, or whoever it may be, someone in account. There, there's plenty of places to buy. Seattle's always kind of had like this interesting natural progression where you go from a condo to a townhouse or we call it maybe a vertical or whatever. Vertical. And then from there, then you move into a home. Okay. Right? Yeah. Just the natural progression of life. But no, I don't believe that there's a, um, I think the lack of affordability is being broadcast by the, the loudest me- megaphone. You know, they're saying, <laughs> hey, we have an issue. That's social we media for you, issue. right? I'm like, the, 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 the do we? Loudest one percent is the is the yeah. loudest of the of the all. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, like the the world, um, we live in a world of abundance. There's plenty for everyone to go out and get, not just capitalistically, but like if you want to live a certain way, I think you can. You just got to work for it. Right. The thing is, a lot of people that can't afford homes that have those good jobs did everything right. Only want to live in that one space. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean, come on. I was, yeah. I was That's telling, like me too. You know? I tell my wife, I was like, I wish I was six one with a six pack. You know what I'm not? It's like, I'm thinking, it seems unfair, but you're, it's you're five now with a four pack, though. Yeah, yeah, right? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, I think yeah. I got to 5'11. You know, I used to say 5'11. 5'11 with a four pack? There you yeah, go. Yeah, see yeah, that? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, now, yeah. If, I, if I wanted that enough, you know, you can do it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't, yeah, not the grow. Yeah. So, Let's talk anyway. about the construction costs. It seems like it's a, a U.S.-wide issue right now. Yeah. And the developers, from developers to contractors. So I want to talk yeah. about, let's kind of separate the construction into two categories. You know, on the development side, uh, if you have an experience with land and sales and, and the developers and what the construction costs are right now yeah. and if it's difficult or not. And then on the renovation side, you know, just say, I'm going to buy a home. You're taking me around. And hey, uh, I'm gonna. I want new uh, HVAC, a kitchen and bathroom, and like yeah. what that general cost is gonna look like, timeline, uh, contractors, relationships with architects, things of that nature. You know, what kind of information can you give yeah. to us on that? Okay, so this is a good one. Yeah. There's like pre-COVID, or right. then yeah. there's you know like post-COVID, post-COVID with inflation. Um, but if, but if you look at it, and we had a CPI report today, if you look at commodities across the board, they've they're coming back in, okay? So they're coming back to, to the real world. You know, lumber was, the, the cost of lumber was insane mm-hmm. for a while, mm-hmm. right? Concrete, um, trades. You Metals. Know, trades are, yeah, yeah. But, but like, naturally, uh, those things will come back down to earth and things will become a little bit more, uh, it'll become a little bit more uh, easy to put that in a pro forma and get something developed sure. at, at, at a price that makes sense for the market. Now, Seattle's kind of a weird market because we have a, what's called the Washington Condominium Act, which basically forces developers to warranty their construction envelope. So think of the siding, windows, you know, components, everything for up to five years. So what... And, and who's warranting that? The, that the supplier? Is the, that, is the, or the that is the developer. Okay, so ultimately he is responsible. Whoever he's buying from. through his subs, even you know, to, he's his name goes on that warranty. So it's great for the consumer, but that's a lot of pressure. It, on it, and it was designed as a consumer protectionism, but the problem is it got way out of hand because then attorneys figured out they could go uh, threaten the board and say, "Hey, listen, you need to have this. The building gets built, say it's brand new. Okay, it delivers in 2023. The attorneys start calling the board and saying, "Hey, you need to have an inspection of your entire envelope done." Much like when you take a car in right before the warranty's up to make sure that everything's good. Mm-hmm. And they'll find something. You know, they'll spray the decks with the power washer to find moisture underneath the flashing. They'll find issues with the window, the ventilation, whatever. So what that did is it drove the price of insurance up because insur- insurers obviously had to pay more. Uh, the developer had to pay the insurers more per door in order to develop. So it got excessive. And it's still a massive problem. It needs to be overhauled. So... From aside from all the the run up in commodity prices and the cost of development, the cost of a trade, you know your your typical craftsman or you know concrete guy or metal fabricator or whatever, we already had a problem. So we have we we our issue is complicated in Seattle and it needs to change. Um, naturally, though, every everybody else like the the family that wants to go to Home Depot or wants to hire like a GC and and you know th- those costs have come down. And as we know, just like through the last cycle. The more that, that there a potential recession or you know a, a reduction in inflation, 
is talked about, the more some of these vendors and subs and GCs, you know, at seven and a half percent interest rates are going to be a little bit more accommodating mm -hmm. to do a project. Yeah. Right? yeah so I think it gets better before it gets worse. Okay. Good. Good. And then on the for a con for real quickly for a condo, just to, to close the, mm -hmm. the loop there. We I generally tell developers that until we can get like twelve hundred and fifty dollars a foot, okay, sold blended, like twelve fifty to thirteen hundred a foot. Mm -hmm. In this environment, you don't really build condos. It just doesn't make financial sense. You know, with Amazon, Microsoft, Meta, Nordstrom, Starbucks, Boeing, you, you go through the gamut of like Fortune five hundred companies in Seattle. You can build an apartment tower, and there'll be a REIT, okay, in New York. Or there'll be a pension fund that will want to buy that apartment tower, you know, for for the debt, for the yield, even in this crazy market. And so until that changes, uh, or until a developer can can strike it like 1300 1400 blended when they sell a project out, we're just not going to see enough towers. And I wish we would. What's the average price per square foot of a of a Power right now. Yeah, so like on the resale market, and so it's interesting. There's well, resale is going to be lower. Yep, Taylor two markets. Yeah, Seattle and Bellevue. Resale market in Seattle, you'll probably see like seven fifty to eight and a quarter, which is quite low. I mean, you look at like Tribeca and everywhere well, else. It's two, like, two to three. Starting. Insane, yeah. right? Yeah. So on the new construction side, you're seeing projects planned somewhere between, I'd say, accurately right now between eleven hundred and thirteen hundred. Okay. So Bellevue, Bellevue's getting up to to a little over. Well, they're getting prices up over two thousand bucks a foot. They're probably blending at like sixteen to seventeen hundred. So there's a big disparity between Seattle and Bellevue, and a lot of that is like you know, money flows where attention grows, right? So it's like better community, cleaner community, better schools. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's there. You know, yeah. uh, West Bellevue is a little neighborhood that surrounds downtown Bellevue. Their median sales price for a long time for a home was two point four million. Oh. Comparison to Seattle, Seattle on average is 815. Oh, so wow. it's like, okay. now, so anyway, and it's like, yeah. um, that's kind of natural. I thought it was more expensive in the city. Yeah. More expensive in Seattle. It, so. it should be. Proper. It should Seattle be, but proper. there's also, you know, just like in the Bay Area, there's political things sure. that have been going mm -hmm. on and yep. um, crime and, and, you know, and, and like, look, I think all of that is getting better. We just turned over some council seats. I'm generally optimistic. I think the city gets much better before it gets worse. Good, great. I love the optimism, and maybe you will run for mayor as well. And I'll, <laughs> I, you know, be endorsing you as well. The the build out for at sixteen or seventeen hundred foot, or the yeah. sell out for condos in Bellevue does make sense to build more condos there. I guess yeah. right for if you're yeah. a developer, but maybe in Seattle, that's going to become a bigger issue. Yeah, and I'm and I'm. I think naturally you have to see, and and you guys are probably still talking about this in New York. You know, like what is the return? return from work really look like you know i think it's a very big big question right yeah. you know for yeah. i think we're we lag you guys and lag maybe the bay area and, and i mean if you're getting employees back three days a week that's one thing but if you get them that fourth day and fridays just be kind of kind of become the holiday then then i think you can maybe start to to look to develop more mm -hmm. but for now bellevue's just a much safer play and they're underserved in terms of inventory okay yeah. and the second part of that question was you know if i'm a normal single home buyer yeah. and yeah. i want to just cut you know each bath kitchen mm -hmm. bathroom mm -hmm. you know what are the costs looking like right there and is it difficult to do that right now is there still supply shortage for retail consumers yeah i wouldn't say i, I don't think we're seeing um as many issues in terms of supply chain or down the line anymore yeah. Now, I mean, appliances, you know, we have we have plenty of vendors, contractors, subs. Um, the only issue, I think, still is there is a little bit of um, the subs that are quite expensive are like tile guys, you know, and like, tile. like yeah, Pro. you know, they like have a real skilled, craft, real skill just and you hear that actually in San Diego, it's probably an opportune time to talk about it down here. Electricians can get paid an unbelievable amount of money, plumbers, whatever, because there's a lack of trades. There's a lack of people that can do that here in this part of the world. So Seattle has a little bit of that as well. But no, I think the reason why you're going to see the home, but like today, the reason why you're seeing the home builders trade higher and the reason why you're seeing the Home Depot kind of find its footing as the tenure goes down and mortgage rates typically follow, oh, right? Yeah. As we see the rates go down, you're going to see the Lowe's, Home Depot, all the fix-it type guys go up. You know, we're all trapped with these amazing rates, 2.5%, 3%, 4%. So if we're not going to move, what are we going to do? We might remodel. And I think those costs have come in. It's it's becoming a little bit more affordable to do it. It just depends on um, if you'd rather do that 
or go out and buy a new construction home where they're subsidizing the interest rate from Seattle five percent. Oh, are they doing that in Seattle? Toll Brothers. So they will come in and say, we're going to buy down your points, yeah. or we'll split owner finance. Which is smart. Yeah. Seller, well, the toll well brothers, I, no, they're, 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 basically, they're basically promoting, like, um, you know, like, for instance, a 5% interest rate, mm. you know, on move-in ready homes. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, so so we've seen that quite That's bit. a pretty good uh, promotion to have during a, a quote-unquote affordability crisis, yeah. right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then, I mean, if for younger buyers. Or, yeah. And if you're publicly traded, mm-hmm. and most people, I don't know about out in New York, but like in Seattle, we're very much like a, the majority of buyers want new. You know, they just do. They don't want to like, I think the younger generation too. Same they don't, thing. No one wants to live in your grandma's apartment. Right. Right. You <laughs> don't want to go through the remodel. You don't want construction dust, you know. So I think naturally, some cultures are that way too. You know, in Seattle, the folks that are working at Microsoft and, and Apple and everywhere else, you know, that we employ in town. They just want new. They don't yeah, want they, do. they so it's just kind of part of the way of living. So I think Toll, Lennar, Dr. Horton, you know, they're covering different price points, uh, different benchmarks of where people are going to enter the housing market. But I think they're doing it pretty well. And I would be doing the same thing. You know, the the I I believe when we get rates from well, we'll be probably close today. Eight, like yeah, yeah. I mean, we might have closed today at seven and a quarter. Mm-hmm. If we get it down to six and a half, I think the market. It'll respond right back. Remarkably. Yeah. Yeah. And then the lumber prices go up. Right. <laughs> back to square one. Yeah, right. The you know, advice you have going into 2024, let's just say I, I am a condo buyer and our business is obviously as a, you're, you as an advisor, I'm yeah. a condo buyer, you have to manage my expectations, set my expectations. Right. What kind of advice are you going to be giving to those buyers who are looking at condos or, or even you know single family homes? In, uh, in the Seattle market, is yeah. it, hey, expect, brace yourself, expect bidding wars, or hey, you know, there's, yeah. there's probably a good time to buy because you're not gonna have that much competition. So as an ex-user, you'll appreciate this, right? The, there's a contingent of people in the world mm-hmm. that see people in our industry and say, we're only trying to drive more sales and, and more activity by telling someone, for instance, you know, now's the time to buy because rates may be coming back down. But the reality of it is, is that as rates come down and you have this massive amount of people trapped in their homes, I say trapped because electively they're gonna wanna stay with three and four and 5% interest rates. So you're not gonna see as much supply come to market. In Seattle forever or for the foreseeable I'd say for the couple years? Yeah, I mean, I would say like, like, look, for the next two years, I can't, from a, Fundamental perspective, I just don't see that structurally changing. You know, we just don't until rates get significantly lower. So, and maybe they don't, you know, maybe, and I've been telling some some of my clients and developers that like, we need to be ready for six to six and a half percent rates, period. That's like our new normal, mm-hmm. right? So when we get there, we can't expect to see fives and fours anymore, right? At least in, in my opinion, unless something is really bad right unless we give a financial yeah. crisis that changes everything yeah but that's not yeah that's probably not the case but like my but my most savvy condo buyer right now or home buyer what i'm trying to tell them is that if you have the ability to buy you know take that buffett men- mentality right when everyone else is leaving leaving step in Go you on. know yeah, yeah yeah and like and by the way don't just step in but like take three of your favorite units in the city and let those sellers know that you like all three and you're having a hard time making a decision. And then drive that price down to something that you feel good about. Um, find the unit at. You know, like use it to your advantage. You know, when there's less people in the market, I think naturally, as human beings, we tend to, to, to like when other people are doing things. You know, it's like when our coworkers buying a house, even though they're overbidding. You know, when our sister or our brother-in-law is buying a house, that's when we want to go to market. But that, I think... The savvy investor, just like they say on Wall Street, like you make the most money in a bear market, it's the same thing as the real estate market. You know, when there's, when there's, you know, blood in the water, like that's when you want to strike. That's when you want to, so that would be my advice. So that would be your advice for next year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, going into an election year, election years are always choppy anyway. We don't know exactly who we're going to get, you know, for, um, our next president, and some of us may not be excited about either choice, you know, when we get there. But even that's that's a whole other topic, that's a whole other topic right? But but I think naturally, uh, it's a year that that historically is quite choppy. You just have to keep your head down. Like this is going to serve your family, 
or your yourself for the next five years, just do it. Yeah. And if it doesn't feel right, you don't have to. You know, I'm not the kind. I'm not the guy that would push someone into something they didn't want to do anyway. I would just say that naturally, when a lot of people are kind of on the sidelines looking, it'd be a great time to step in. Sure. I like that you're number driven and that you give the analysis on maybe per square foot basis. But what you said at the end is true. My friend Tom Dunn and Vail, uh, he's a Sotheby's guy, Vail, Colorado, but he says it best too. He, he deals with hedge fund guys and Wall Street guys all the time, and they always get into the numbers and the returns and the capex, and yeah. we get it. That's great. But yeah. there is also something called, right, time is the last luxury. Yeah. And that, that once you, when you step out of your balcony and you look at the sunset and you see the Vail Valley in front of you, it's right. like, wow, I get it. Right. right, he gets a call from his clients, and be like, "Tom, I get it. Yeah. It's it's not totally about you know two thousand dollars a foot and getting you know a hundred dollars a foot in return back on my rents. Right. It's actually like oh, I get to spend time with my family, grow, grow my family, you know, become a, become a better parent or husband or wife yeah. in an environment that you actually really wanted to be in. And it's really hard to put a monetary figure on yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. I totally agree with you, and I I think that's a part of having memories and experiences and things that, that last forever. And if you think about it, we're, we're here for a finite period finite. of time. You yeah. know, like, how do you want to live? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to wait till you're 85 yeah. and then maybe you can make another, you know, million bucks? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what kind of advice do you have as we move into the new year? There will be obviously a new workforce coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, eventually your child, obviously, mm -hmm. going into the workforce. What do you have for advice for the newer real estate agents that are maybe just getting into the game? Yeah, so that one's fun, I think. You know, because I um, I think this generation that's kind of getting into the business now, at least the younger generation, they kind of feel like there has to be like this magic pill. You know, like there's the thing that you do. The one that, TikTok dance? Yeah, or? yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, right? yeah. What is it's that? It's like that one thing that you do that, that brings this, you know, and, and, uh, brings you success and success can be looked at a million different ways, but like to get there fundamentally, you know, are you, is your head in the right place? You know, are you doing this for the right purpose? Are you really serving the people that you work for? Are you making someone feel important every single day? Right. You know, are you becoming an expert in the field? Like one thing I believe in for sure is carving out your niche, you know, finding something that you're very good at because I can't think of another industry where someone wants to work with the jack of all trades, right? It just doesn't really sure. exist. You want mm -hmm. the best financial advisor. You want the person that's going to cut your hair the way that you like it. You know, you're going to find that person that you sit across from that you're buying a car from as an example. And you're saying, hey, do I trust them? Like, do I, are they the best at what they do? I think most people view the world that way. So you have to become indispensable by being an expert and you can't do it right out of the gate. So find a mentor, get to work. You know, offer your service, do something for free. Not everything comes at a, you know. Most things initially don't. No, <laughs> yeah. no, you have to, and, and you have to decide if this is going to be something that you're really going to commit to. But mm. I don't think there's a magic pill. I think if you're serving people really well and, and you jump in head first and you become an expert at something, it's so much better than trying to cover all of it at once. Mm -hmm. What I found interesting about your business, not knowing obviously, the, I mean, I'm sure you have a tremendous sales volume. But one thing I realized is a lot of these agents that have been in the business for 20 plus years are not so active on social or they're, they, they don't do, you're doing a lot of video. What do you have, what, what, what makes you want to do that? And also do you have other veteran agents like you would want to give advice to? Yeah. In that, well, in that I sense? think, okay, good. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I think the reason why. You You're not camera shy. That's good. That's well, my one. <laughs> you know, I think that helps. But I think you have, you, you have to fake it till you make it with that stuff, too. No, no one likes being in front of the camera. But what a lot of people think is they're like, oh, what are they going to think of me? And like, look, my face was not made for a camera, right? <laughs> but once you get Voice over that. Was radio, though? Maybe. Yeah. yeah but, radio okay, works, okay, maybe. Yeah. but when you get over that and you, and you realize it's not about you, it's not about you. you what, what you have to do is just be authentic, mm -hmm. be yourself. Yeah. And then people naturally gravitate towards people that they trust. So the more that you're in front of them, not being annoying and not talking about, you know, the things that give real estate agents a bad name. It's about being an expert, an advisor, an educator, you know, like talk about the fav your favorite restaurant that you went to the night before and how, why you think it's so dynamic for your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't need to tell somebody like what the interest rates are today. A lot of them don't care. <laughs> you know? I told people when I got in the business, the one thing that I thought was crazy, and some people are probably going to yell at me for this, but I didn't want to be the person that had my like face on a business card. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, the old school real estate. Uh, yeah, and I wasn't yeah. going to send calendars, and I respect everyone that does both. If you send calendars and you have your face in the discount, I'm not judging you at all. But I, to me, that was like, look at me. Like, I'm sending you something that makes you look at me. Which, in the sales business, naturally, you have to be present. You have to be vis- visible. But, like, there's other ways to do it. Like, you could just stop by and meet someone for coffee. Or, you know, it, it uh, during the holiday season, drop something off. Probably 10 times house. better than sending right? a calendar. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> look, man, I'm, I, I can send you the Seattle Seahawks schedule. But, like, are you really going to put this on your fridge? You know, now I'm going to, there's probably some people I'm offending and I don't mean to. No, my no, point no. is like, do what you do and do it authentically. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that, that was my, that is excellent yeah. advice. I really like that. And, uh, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm 15 years in the business and nowhere as near as long as you have been, but that's sound advice. You know, you, you have to be who you are, be authentic, be who you are yeah. and uh, don't hide in the shadows and send calendars I mean, to your sphere. Am I digging myself <laughs> That's great. No, 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 not at all. That's great. Well, Listen, I really appreciate your time. Um, I, I do want to ask you: Are you a Seattle Seahawks fan? Yeah, but I know you don't love that. I think you're. A, are you a Giants guy? Or a I'm Redskins? a huge, diehard Colorado Redskins because I grew up calling them the Redskins. Right. But yeah. you guys had a great win over us yeah. just a couple of days ago. Yeah. So congratulations no. on the win. <laughs> Thank you. Is Thank Gino you. Smith is going to be? Uh, is, no. is he going to take you to the playoffs this, this year? Isn't, this is. You know, I love. I love the Seahawks. I'm. I'm to be truth be told, I'm like a uh, I'm a big enthusiastic follower of University of Washington, like my Washington Huskers. Oh, yeah. They're fifth in the country right sure, now. We're undefeated. Sure. Okay. I go to the Seahawks games. Um, I love the Seahawks, but I don't. This isn't the team. I don't believe that makes a deep run. We we, we still have some key pieces that we need to fix. Okay. So, okay. Um, doesn't See, mean that I'm not cheering. You know, loudly the on the Seahawks. I it's a it's a love hate relationship, but we you guys have always beaten us in the last decade with uh Matt Hasselback, yeah. obviously Russell Wilson, right. and then now Geno Smith. And uh, you guys always had our number. And while I respect the team, I love, I, I love your coach and you know, everything that he's done in his prior career yeah. uh, over at USC. I, I do uh, you know, admire the winning streak and organization that you guys always well, you had. You guys have a lot to look forward to. You have new ownership. Josh Harris. Turnovers. I mean, come on. Sir. This is like everything's looking up for yes, Washington. Yeah, Josh Harris is a local Maryland guy. So, Went to Penn, yeah. East Coast, Northeast guy. And yes. you know, I think sometimes when you change can be good. And you guys are destined for some greatness. Hopefully it's just not that week that we, we play. But. <laughs> well, you guys already beat us, so yeah. you, guys are, you went over, over that hump. Yeah. Uh, again, thank you so much for your time. I'm, I'm glad we got to talk a little sports at the end, too. Yeah. It's kind of nice to touch base on that. Thanks, so. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. 